Lingua Britannica is a podcast that uses ethnographic interviews to study language use in the extreme metal community. We are studying a music scene known for its love of themes and topics generally considered offensive, and it is likely that some episodes will touch on topics or opinions some listeners may find tasteless or ethically problematic. Ethnographic researchers aim to adopt the interviewee's point of view so that we can draw out and study the attitudes, beliefs, and practices that are important to them. We want to make it clear that in presenting these conversations here, we do not endorse any of their content. Our aim is to explore the thought processes behind language use in this long-running international and yet understudied scene. Welcome to this, our third episode of Lingua Britannica, hosted by myself, Jess Bernie-Smith, along with my co-host, Wes Robertson. Hello. For those of you listening for the first time, on this podcast, we interview extreme metal musicians about their lyrical choices to answer questions like, what is it that makes lyrics appear recognisably metal and brutal? And of course, what role does language play in this process? Today's episode is going to feature a first for this podcast by chatting to a vocalist of not one, but two metal bands. That vocalist, of course, being Spike Jaegerkrieg of Scathus and Squash Moth. So how are you, Spike? I'm really good. How are you guys? Not good. bad. Pretty good. <laughs> I'm <laughs> good excited that it's the weekend. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 100%. So as always, to begin, we'd love it if you could just briefly describe the music of both Scathus and Squash Moth. Um, so Scathus is pretty standard catchy death metal. Um, it's a standard five piece, two guitars, drums, bass and vocals. And it's, yeah, it's kind of, I guess, we've been likened to Death Clock a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's just catchy death metal. Um, and Squashed Moth is a bit weird. We're still sort of finding our exact niche at the moment where two bassists, a drummer, and a violin and vocals. Um, and it's just weird, slow doom about grief and all the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the, the good dark nasty feelings mm. yeah yeah that's a very uh, peculiar um set of instruments and, and musicians for a, an extreme metal act yeah it's exciting and it, mm-hmm. it sounds really good and yeah we're all stoked and there's we're all just a bunch of queers like there's <laughs> not a single cis dude in the band and it's it's great to be a part of something that's so not like metal is so saturated by straight white dudes it's really good to be in a band that doesn't have that at all and just be like fuck yeah this is a sick bunch of queers and I love making metal with them that's awesome and do you yeah. find that like that combination of um, people in a band like gives you kind of a different perspective on the metal that you're writing yeah, I think so. It's really different theoretically and genre and theme-wise to everything else that I've ever done, but it's already so much less about being aggressive and so much more about how we're feeling. Mm. Yeah, I noticed something just even just looking through the lyrics briefly was that there seemed to be a lot of reference to, um, you know, those emotions that you were talking about before that don't tend to appear at least in my experience um in middle lyrics all that often so yeah I think that's yeah that's really interesting yeah it's um it's really good to write stuff about how I'm feeling and it's a lot deeper than the stuff that I write with Scaffus I love Scaffus so much um but Scaffus is a lot of fun 
and squash mop is also a lot of fun but it's so much more feelings based which has been really really good so would you say that uh would you say that scaphis isn't feelings based or would that be sort of a misinterpretation no it's definitely not um it's it's kind of about sometimes it's about feelings of fear and anger Mm -hmm. but it's a lot less about um, like the really deeper exploration of emotions like grief and anxiety and things like that, which I think are a lot more often explored in Doom than other types of metal. So the, the genre affects kind of the emotions you feel uh, that you can explore? Um, maybe. I think death metal just leans itself to anger mm. um, and Doom leans itself to depression. <laughs> <laughs> like most, most Doom bands sing about sad stuff and most death metal bands have angry songs and then black metal as well is also very angry but tends to be angry about different things Mm. that's interesting and so what made you decide to you know um i suppose get involved in these two very different projects um i've been in scaphus since we first started about five years ago and we started because josh already had a bunch of songs written and put out a facebook post looking for a bunch of people and i had been in a band before and wasn't in one at the time and I was like yeah I'm looking for a band I'd love to come and try out and we all had a jam and it was great and I love death metal it's so much fun to play um so much fun to listen to so that was that's why I do scaffers because it's a bunch of fun and I love the guys and it's just great and Squash Moth actually started during the first lockdown in Melbourne um in mm-hmm. a queer Facebook group that I'm part of everyone was just sharing a bunch of songs that they like and someone shared or I shared um a monologue song and I commented on it saying like I really want to do a band that sounds like this um with like death metal vocals and Andy was like that sounds amazing let's do it and Andy wrote a bunch of riffs and I wrote a couple of words and then we asked the rest of the group if anybody else was interested in joining and came together and we've had we got to have two band practices during the little reprieve of lockdowns and We've got our next one locked in for a couple of weeks, so I'm really excited to get back in the same room with them and have another Yeah, jam. nice. Yeah. Was, was death metal, um, you, you started saying that you were looking for a death metal band. Was death metal your first introduction to extreme metal? Was it kind of the first genre that grabbed you? or? Um, I So I didn't grow up in a metal house. I didn't get it from my parents or anything. So I came to it the way a lot of young emo kids do through like Slipknot and Murder Dolls and, mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. And my, my like first few bands were those and also the berserker because somebody on a message board was like oh if you like metal check these guys out um so they were my first really really like extreme metal band but yeah i can't remember i guess berserker are death metal they're just extremely technical death metal so initially did you pay much attention to the lyrics of these bands yeah always um i've always been a lyrics person um i was always in the car like with my um, Eminem and Shakira CDs, like reading all the lyrics as a kid. Yeah, I've always been a lyrics person. So yeah, it's always been something. And Slipknot like was such a huge influence on me as a kid because of all the big words that they used that I didn't know. Did you uh, go look them up? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I, any word that I didn't realize or that I didn't recognize while I was reading through those lyrics, I was always looking them up and finding ways to use them and yeah and was there anything in particular about those lyrics that really kind of spoke to you and that uh, I suppose made you want to um you know further your interest in the scene I don't think so yeah I don't think I've ever sought out lyrical content aside from much later in life I've tried I've I've looked for more um bands that explore more stuff like grief 
and death and things like that or and even love like it's I've, it's hard to find a metal song that's actually about good love like mm. they're all about mm. heartbreak mm. um which i guess is just part of metal's not meant to be happy so <laughs> but yeah um i've never like early on i never really sought out stuff specifically for lyrical content but if the lyrics were shit or if the vocals were shit i'm so specific about how my vocals sound mm. Um, it can be an incredible there's so many great death metal bands that I've heard and been like this is excellent and then the vocals have started and I've just gone no that's not I'm not here for that what about um death metal lyrics makes them shit for you like what what is something that you personally find really unappealing or bad about uh death metal lyrics that could could ruin a song for instance um if it's about one of the really really overdone cliches like if it's just a really basic song about rape like being done a million times and just isn't fucking necessary anymore or if it's just something that I really hard disagree with like if it's a Nazi song or something <laughs> like I'm gonna, no I'm not into that um yeah I guess that's lyrically that'd be about it there's just some um, certain vocal styles that I'm I don't love is there like a song or a band that you remember well it might be Slipknot as you mentioned uh kind of distinctly creating your first conception of what metal lyrics are because I know there's there's obviously a big jump from uh you were saying Shakira um yeah. and even you know uh Eminem <laughs> uses big words too but I imagine that yeah from that to like metal was there a song or a band or something you remember that kind of stylistically clicked like oh this is the difference in how these genres approach lyrics I don't think so I remember reading Cannibal Corpse lyrics and 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 Berserker lyrics and just being like this is wild like how are they saying this stuff but I guess I just was like it's a different kind of music so they're going to be singing about a different kind of stuff and I it's really interesting because I don't think that lyrics define metal at all so thinking of lyrics and what makes them metal is such an interesting concept because if the riffs are really heavy, mm-hmm. then it can be a song about skipping through a field of daisies. Mm. Like it's still a metal song if it's heavy and that's all that it really takes for a song to be metal. But if you sat down and read those lyrics about skipping through a field of daisies, there's no way that your brain would go, oh yeah, that's a metal song. So what does it take? for you to read lyrics without having any of the music and then think, I reckon this is a metal song, Mm. Mm. is like how dark it is. Like, I guess if it's going to be something that's really violent, it's probably going to be death metal or rap. Mm -hmm. And if it's something that's really sad, it could be doom metal or it could be blues. Do you think there's a difference between how rap and death metal present violence or how blues and doom present uh, depression? I think that death metal is probably more obscene and more graphic Mm. in my experience. Like I don't, I can't think of any rap songs that are entirely about like gutting a person alive, for example. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also don't listen to heaps of blues. Like the blues that I do listen to um, isn't really that depressing. So I can't really compare it to those lyrics that I've listened to from Doom bands so much. Interestingly, though, um, Windhand, their singer Dorothea Cottrell also has a solo album that's entirely acoustic blues. So she does do blues and doom metal. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. It's really amazing. Like, highly, highly recommend it. It's a beautiful album. Right. 
And what, how do you find that they, like, uh, differentiate between, like, their lyrics that they would write for blues versus those that they write for, yeah, um, doom? Well, the thing about her lyrics is that you can't find them anywhere. I've tried so hard. <laughs> they're just, like, not out there. And she's got such a beautiful voice. And sometimes it's really easy to understand what she's saying and other times she's just blends in so beautifully with everything it's hard mm. to really get a grasp on what she's saying but I guess like the lyrical content is quite similar um mm. it's yeah they're often very like she's amazing what she does it's really haunting and beautiful um and she's haunting and beautiful with an acoustic guitar and she's haunting and beautiful with a full band full of fuzzy riffs behind her Mm. So it seems like from what you're saying that maybe the difference between, let's say, like um, blues and doom and rap and death metal then in terms of the way in which they describe those typical themes of, uh, you know, depression and violence uh, is one of extremity, would you say? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I reckon mm. that's a fair line to draw. But I'd also I'd love to hear from people that have more of a scope into those varieties and see Mm. what it actually is. Yeah, it's definitely something that um, we should explore further. I, I agree. So. I suppose like we should ask as well, um, you know, in terms of your lyric writing process, um, yeah, how do you go about writing lyrics, I suppose, for both bands? I'm a lyrics after the song is written person. Um, mm -hmm. I usually don't know what a song is going to be until I can sit with it and listen to it a few times and I like to feel what the song is going to, like what the song makes me feel before I start to write for it I'll um the most that I usually do before actually having a song to work with is I've got like a a google doc full of ideas and that's about mm -hmm. it and and if I come up with like a line like our the, the second Scaffus album I've known what that's going to be called since before it started sorry my mm -hmm. but I was talking to it <laughs> I like I've known what the album was going to be called and wrote a song based off of that but it, it was just like the name of the song and a concept there was never any lyrics outside of that so yeah I like to hear the song first and because I, I'm so specific about the syllables that I use fitting into the song well mm. if I like I can't write something without knowing how many beats I've got per line right so did you when did you first start writing lyrics did you ever write lyrics like were you interested in writing lyrics before you had a band or was it that you found a band first and then began writing lyrics um I used to write like really horrendous emo poems and stuff mm -hmm. and really 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 angry lyrics um because I was a very angry kid um and I've found some of them and just been deeply disturbed by like what the hell was my teenage brain doing <laughs> I was so angry I never really used them I think I used a concept um or two but outside of that it's just yeah since I've had the bands and I actually got kicked out of one of my very very early bands that I was in because I wasn't helping to write the songs enough which is just I, I don't know I think they had other reasons for not wanting me in the band like had mm. a friend that they wanted to do vocals or something instead because I'm not going to tell you how to play guitar mm. that's not what I do here <laughs> so but I mean it's interesting you use too angry I mean in in listening to Scafus uh Scafus uh over the last few weeks and reading the lyrics angry is still a, a term I would use to describe the overall feel of the band oh what do you mean by how, how is the teenage lyrics you're writing different from the anger that it, that's um, currently in, involving your lyrics in this band? 
I used to be really angry, I think, just at myself and the world in general. So those lyrics came from a really, like, personally dark place that was really toxic for just everything. And there's actually a Squash Moth song that kind of references that feeling. I forget which one it is. <laughs> um, but it, there's there's one that's about, like, being safe in the darkness where nothing can touch you and having no feelings at all. Mm. Burning in the dark? Yeah. No, yeah. burning in the dark is about anxiety. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> very, very, very similar feeling though. Um, but yeah, Scaphus is like angry in the way that like horror movies are angry or angry in the way that's like constructive, like getting revenge on someone or um Mm. Like, which isn't always constructive. It's probably not great, but exact actual revenge and mm. actually peel people alive. Um, but mm. it's that kind of, it's a lot more focused and a lot less self-destructive, that anger. And it's a lot more for like, this is the purpose of the song, even to like expel some anger. But it's, yeah, it's a lot. I've learned how to express myself a lot in a much healthier way now. So you'd say that there's a sort of a healthy, angry lyrics and unhealthy, angry lyrics that can be divided between sort of what you're exploring and how you're exploring it? Maybe. Um, but I think honestly, for me, it's just that I know the person that I was when I wrote the stuff that I was a kid. So mm -hmm. it, it might not even so much be what the actual lyric content was as just reading what I had written and remembering how much I hated myself mm. and just, yeah, being really aware of how nice it is to not hate myself anymore. Mm. <laughs> yeah it's it's good to be like yeah this you know life ain't too bad i'll stick around it's good yeah that's generally a positive thing yeah, yeah. yeah i'd agree i'd agree <laughs> so it's wondering you said that you know you generally come up with like um kind of a concept at least during the process of like writing the music for um you know each album um but then write the actual lyrics for individual songs after the uh, songs are composed i was wondering how do you go about translating kind of the the concept overall into like individual songs um, and you know then um, playing that out as individual sets of lyrics um we have not so much a concept for an album um that was more just the concept for the name of the album and the okay, song right. um so scaffes's first album rituals of torture and death is just what the album is it's a collection of songs about death rituals torture methods and people being dead mm -hmm. um it's just what the album is um and the second album i actually got the idea because i brew my own kombucha um <laughs> the second album's going to be called dissected and fermented and i just like my brain just kept saying dissected huh. and fermented like over and over again in this like death metal voice that and I was just like, that's too good to not that's use rad. it. Um, <laughs> and I like, I told the guys, I was like, the second album is going to be called A Second and Fermented. And they were all like, yes. So yeah, I, I wrote a song about like with that idea in mind. Um, and Lance was like, I'm never drinking your kombucha. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I'd love to do a concept album. I don't have any big ideas that are big enough at the moment to do that with. And I don't think that Scaphus is the band to do that with. It'd be like Cannibal Corpse writing a concept album. Mm -hmm. Like they just wouldn't do it. Um, or, yeah, unless like maybe um, Church of Misery or a Doom band, but all of their songs are about 
or most of their songs are about serial killers. So I guess in a way they're concept albums because they're all about the same thing. Um, yeah. Like that mm-hmm. might that might work, but um, yeah, I like Scathus is death metal. It's always going to be about death. So that would be a bit of a change of your usual direction, though, right? Because a concept album would assume some kind of a lyrical preparation before the music, or is it possible to do the music and then do the lyrics and still come out with a concept album? It would have. To, it would be a group effort for sure. Um, I would have to figure out at first like what the concept is going to be and then bring that to the band and see if it's something that they're interested in doing and then they could write songs with those concepts in mind and then I could write lyrics for those songs but yeah it'd be a lot more work or a lot more um connected work than we than we currently do because at the moment the guys will sort of each um write their own songs and then bring them to the rest of the band and then everybody writes their own parts so yeah it'd be really interesting to do a concept album and I definitely would like to do it at some point I can't even really think of many concept albums. I think they often tell like really epic stories. Neither Scaphus nor Squashed Moth, I think, are epic story type of bands that need to be told mm-hmm. over mm. more than one song per story. Right. Yeah. So I was wondering in the case of like rituals of torture and death, you said that, you know, there's clearly kind of an overarching theme that stretches across all the songs within that album. Did you have an idea of at least like the theme before um, writing the lyrics or did that really just come out of like uh, writing the songs and listening to them and deciding that, you know, this would be uh, kind of the, the series of topics you'd be covering? Yeah, it just, each each um, topic came with the songs. Um, I'm really into like death practices around the world and like learning about how 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 people handle grief and um all that sort of thing so I really enjoy like writing songs that are inspired by that sort of stuff and then just classic like there's a song about zombies and there's songs about your really standard death metal stuff of just straight up killing people and Mm. monsters and stuff Uh, do you consider audience at all when you write lyrics like are the do you ever think of the people you are maybe writing these songs for or is that something that doesn't really come up in your mind I do I don't like to um I I I want my songs to be able to be listened to by anyone so I I don't like to make things too specific unless they're like a story for you to listen to Mm -hmm. so yeah I'll, I'll usually either approach things in a way that anyone can put themselves in the shoes or it's a specific story that's being told for you to listen to but yeah I definitely do try to think about the audience when I'm writing it's yeah because that's that's who I'm writing for like I'm writing Mm. um I write for myself and for my bandmates but I also like it's really really important to me that my audience enjoy the content and enjoy our songs um and I just like there's no better feeling in the world than playing a gig and seeing the crowd singing the words that you wrote back mm. at you. It's the best. So like, I want to write stuff that they want to sing along to. Mm. When you say they, uh, is there any consideration of the fact that we're in Australia? Like does the, um, is the Australian audience, are they different from what you would expect in, in another area? And do you have any feeling about that? We've never been overseas. I've never actually been overseas myself. So it's what I know. So it's what I write for. And I think on a surface level, understand the lyrics might just be like, Scaffers is really heavy and fun and good to bang your head to. But I think Squashed Moth is going to be more accessible on a larger scale because they you, you really feel the Squashed Moth songs when you play them. Like there is such a really intense energy about them 
in the room when we're jamming those songs. It's they're like the kind of songs where you don't really need to know what the lyrics are for mm. you to feel what it's about. So yeah, I think they're they're both probably going to be enjoyed by could be enjoyed by anyone, but I think Squash Moth is going to be more accessible. Yeah, that's what I was wondering about is like given the, you know, the clear differences between Scathus and uh, Squash Moth, do you consider them to have kind of different audiences then or do you think there's more overlap? I think they will be really different audiences. Um, I think there'll be a bunch of absolute legends who just want to support me regardless of what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're really, really different bands. So the audiences are definitely going to be different. Yeah, which is fine and great and really exciting and they're they're being written for different people as well like yeah Scaphus is really fun and really really good to bang your head to and jump around and and thrash about and stuff and then Squash Moth is really really good to have a slow head bang and scream your heart out and really dig into those like darker feelings and stuff that you might have so when you're writing um lyrics for either band uh is there any difference in how you work the uh lyrics into the songs like do you spend more time editing one band's lyrics than another or is it quite similar in terms of overall how many times you go back to lyrics and how you change things as they go along it, they're pretty similar. Usually when I'm writing lyrics, I'm working from just just a guitar recording mm-hmm. that um, one of, like a guitarist or a bass player will send me of just that, um, or it's a recording from band practice. So often there'll be a verse or something missing or repeated too many times or something. So there'll be some stuff that I'll have to tweak later on. But yeah, they're both really, really similar. Lyrics tend to come to me quite easily now so if I do sit down to write a song I'll usually finish the song within half an hour to two hours or something depending on what it is but yeah I think the process is quite similar for both they're just really different headspaces like for Squashed Moth some of those songs that I've written I've been in a really really dark place when I've written them or like not so much in a dark space but have just come out of one or something and Scaphus I can pretty much write regardless of the mood that I'm in if I'm in a better mood it's almost easier to write because I can research and and find stuff to write about and Scaphus often comes from external stimulation of like a gruesome torture method that I've found out about or something like that where um squashed moth is often so far very personal stuff or like personal feelings that I have or feelings that somebody else is having in the band so mm. Yeah, they, they come from really different places, but the process is generally the same. Do you edit or tweak your vocabulary? Like, have you ever written a line and been like, oh, no, that's not metal enough? Or Yeah, I, I don't know about not metal enough, but I definitely read back through them and, and change words around and I'll be like, I've used this word too many times or um, this just doesn't sound good. It just This line is boring. Yeah, I definitely go back and edit them. And I find as well that songs can evolve over time the more that you perform them you can Mm. sort of find like a lot of Scaffa songs have evolved over time and and lyrics can completely change because I'll just forget where I am in the song and start like I know what the concept is of the song Mm. so I can sing anything as long as it fits in with the rest of the the lyrics and there's like Johan Haig from Amon Amath was like just Mm -hmm. sing along it's death metal nobody knows the words (laughs) Um, which I think is definitely not true of my Mm. vocals because I I get a lot of comments about how easy it is to actually hear what I'm saying despite Mm. it being growls Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's part of the fun of a live performance like I'm never disappointed if I'm seeing a band and the vocalist just singing different words like it's it can be a little bit frustrating if you're trying to sing along but it's also 
as long as there's lyrics where there's meant to be lyrics, it can sound really cool. And it's, it's really cool. Like when your brain can come up with stuff that's like so much more brutal than what was actually in the song. Like the, the recordings got stuff about being chased and then um, the actual lyrics that have come out like two years later when you're performing are just like leveled up which I think is really, really cool. And I, I think that that's, like, it, it comes from a place of forgetting what the actual words were, but it creates <laughs> a really cool environment and creates a really good experience as well. Because especially, like, because we're just a small Melbourne band and we only really like, we only really play in Melbourne. We've been lucky to tour around Australia, but um, it's fun for the audience as well. But they get something different sometimes. Hmm. What what makes a line? Um, you said you sometimes you know th- thought a line was kind of boring. What makes a line boring? Um, if it's got like nothing happening in it. So if you've got a verse that's describing an event or something, and every line's got something about like cutting something off someone, or <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, every line's got like something specific, but then you've got one that's just like it's cold outside. Or, like, I walked across the floor. It's like, that's not, like, every other line in the verse has got something really intense in it. So, yeah, I think that's that's when I'm like, this one needs to change. Um, How do you, like, level it up then, as you were saying? Like, with, oh, I can't remember the specific example, um, but I know that I do it with, I think I do it with our song Peeling, which is about a monster that's terrorizing a village and in the end of the song you get caught by the monster and I remember listening to the actual recording of the song recently and being like oh that's not what I sing when I when we do it live and um just like I've done it live so many times since we actually recorded the album but I'd forgotten what the actual words were because I'm singing a different verse live every time Mm-hmm. At the end of the song I think it was just like more details about how gnarly it was to have your heart ripped out by this stinking beast that just smells of rotting flesh nice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> necessary yeah um just it, it was just more gore and yeah so I wanted to go back to something that you said um just a, a moment ago about uh, you know the experience that you have when writing lyrics and I thought this was kind of an interesting comment given that um you know there has been a lot of research that's kind of indicated that there's a lot of metal musicians out there that like to uh, kind of take a certain distance from their lyrics in that they kind of position them as entertainment and not something to be taken seriously necessarily and um, from what you're saying about Scaphus and Squash Moth it seems like they kind of fall into different categories in that regard yeah, absolutely. Scaphus is written for entertainment and there are some like there are some Scaphus songs that are closer to my heart, like specifically the ones that are about like death ritual stuff are my favourite. Mm-hmm. So um, Death Provides and Three Days are both inspired by death customs from around the world. And um, I, I love those songs very dearly, but they're not like about anything that I have experienced or felt in myself. And like, obviously we do not condone the actual skinning of people alive um <laughs> or like and like zombies aren't real so <laughs> um <laughs> no zombie we, violence yeah um I'm pretty I try to also not overstep myself when I'm writing stuff about scaffers like I would never try to like write a song about like I would never try to write a song from the perspective of a person of color like fighting mm-hmm. back against racism because like I don't know what that's like that's mm-hmm. not my voice to have and I 
yeah, I try to just like write about horror movie style stuff that's relatively accessible and not overstep myself and not write about something that I don't have a voice. So even the songs that are inspired by death customs from around the world, I'm very aware that like, like Death Provides is loosely inspired by Tibetan sky burial. And I've, I've never even been there. I would never go and watch a sky burial happen because it's extremely disrespectful. And it's probably like, it's, it's difficult to be a white woman writing about a death custom that has nothing to do with me. And like, mm-hmm. I'm benefiting from somebody else's thing, but I try to write them in a way that is respectful because to me, I find the, the, the customs really, really beautiful. Um, and I try to write songs that, while shocking, are like trying to shine a light on a practice that is really, really awesome and um, try to make them different enough that it is just inspiration rather than me just like taking something that's not mine to take. So how do you go about that? I mean, like, you know, how do you, um, I suppose, like translate that material in a way that um, maintains a kind of a respectful approach uh, to, uh, yeah, the original cultures from which that inspiration is drawn? I guess it's, yeah, it's just distancing myself a little bit in that I don't copy everything exactly. So in a Tibetan sky burial, it's generally just vultures and in Death Provides, there's wild dogs and all sorts of animals and stuff. And not like being too specific and too identifying about the practices and also talking about it, like having conversations like this and recognizing like, yeah, this song is inspired mm. by this. This is a really awesome practice that this culture do and you should check it out if you're interested in it. I think that's the best way to sort of handle it. Um, and yeah, if anybody was to pull me up on it, who is part of those cultures and be like, hey, you actually did or you did, you did cross a line here. Um, I would stop playing those songs, um, mm. which hopefully wouldn't happen. But yeah, I think the, best that I can do is not copy too closely um be inspired but not blatantly plagiarize and to talk about it and share information and and be open to feedback about it so one thing that's kind of interesting uh is that you're talking about these sort of almost educational pieces uh in a way and sort of inspired by all these things that you hope that people look into uh but from a especially from the mainstream area Uh, because metal talks about things that, you know, again, you do not encourage people to engage in some of the acts you sing about. Yeah. Uh, It's been, and this is something we we found actually a a few people we've talked to have said, yeah, like, no, of course I don't, you know, condone the things I sing about. (laughs) Um, But that's caused mainstream people often critique, you know, extreme metal lyrics as being kind of meaningless because they're all just imagery and and kind of horror. How Mm. do you find that to be, accurate or would you say that there is a meaning uh to the lyrics beyond just the entertainment value it depends which song you're looking at um there's definitely i i'm if somebody just finds our songs entertaining then that's fine um i don't need for everyone to like consider death practices from around the world when they listen to the album it's it's fine for it to also just be a cool song it's just something like it's just things that I wanted to write about that I particularly really enjoy singing about but um yeah I think it depends on the song I think death metal can be very very surface level entertaining um it also sometimes isn't like cattle decapitation is not surface level entertaining like Mm. that the stuff that they sing about is very real and like they want you to think but I think that most doom is a lot deeper like a lot of stuff that's about feelings is like they want you to think about feelings and stuff but um there's also a lot of doom that makes like no sense and is about like really weird 
concepts that people have just caught up with when they've been absolutely blazed out of their mind. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it really depends on the song, I think. And I don't. I think if somebody was going to be offended that somebody just found their music entertaining and didn't think that it was very deep, like that's that's you have no control over how people are going to perceive your music. And if someone's entertained right. by it, then that's awesome. Mm. Like you don't, you're making music. You're not like giving a lecture. So just let people enjoy it if they're going to enjoy it. But say like your, your song about, you know, zombies or the song about being chased down and, and ripped apart by a beast. Um, for you as the crafter of those songs, are those just entertainment or are there uh, deeper meanings that you are, at least personally, even if you don't, necessarily care if the audience uh grass on uh, trying to explore through uh those topics um with the zombie one horde absolutely it's just entertainment value with the beast one i specifically made the beast female so i use female pronouns to refer to her occasionally mm. and i did that with the hope that it would like plant a little seed somewhere in someone's mind that like we're so used to the like monsters being male for some reason like I just thought that was a cool little nugget but that's as deep as it got it wasn't about like any specific feeling or anything like that yeah well I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually found that one of the more, more striking features of your lyrics um at least for Scaffers let's say is the seemingly exclusive use of the feminine pronoun she uh, or her in place of the more masculine or gender neutral equivalents in pretty much, um, you know, every song where a third person pronoun can appear. So, you know, you know, even outside of that one example, is this something that, um, you know, you're trying to, uh, to do across like all the songs that do feature, like, let's say a character that's, um, you know, adopting third person perspective? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, like, I'm a woman, so I'm writing them from my own perspective mm. and, like specifically the song for the sun um yeah. I deliberately did this beautiful twist at the start of that song where you like take yeah. the virgin to the peak of the altar and you think that it's a virgin sacrifice and it turns out that the virgin is the one who carves the man's heart out like I'm so sick and so bored of it always just being women getting killed in death metal songs mm. I'm just like I'm not doing that I'm doing the opposite of that yeah, well, and I thought that was really fun, the way that, like, yeah, the only masculine pronoun that seems to appear in any of the lyrics is in its patient form. So, like, the recipient of the violence, which, uh, you know, seems to be a really kind of interesting subversion of the trope of, like, kind of uh, women constantly being the victims of violent stories within uh, the genre. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's everywhere. I feel like it's changing a little bit. I feel like we're getting a bit more diverse and bands that used to like solely rely on women being the victims of their stories have branched out a bit more and are going a bit more diverse and stuff with their lyrics which is great because it's getting it's getting really old mm. um but yeah that's de that's definitely something that I make a real conscious effort to do it's interesting you talk about kind of getting old uh because we've actually had a few people we've talked to say that for instance uh some of the things that earlier bands used to do particularly swearing a lot they've kind of just gotten tired of um, do you find a difference between, you know, Cannibal Corpse doing it, the songs about those topics when they were starting out versus bands that are still doing that now? Like, is there a, or does that old stuff also, do you just think wasn't really worth exploring? I know that Cannibal Corpse for a while, I think they did it on their last album and I was really disappointed by it or like their second last album. They actually stopped making songs about rape using female pronouns for a while. 
Like they mm. just they just didn't do it for like three or four albums. And I was like, they get it. They they realized what they were doing <laughs> and mm. they stopped doing it. And I was so happy, but I think they've done it again. But like, um, I think they just grew up. I think that they like they got they've all got wives and kids now and like they, they it got old. Like mm-hmm. everyone's sick of hearing about women getting raped. Like it's we don't need it anymore. Like mm. everyone's just sick of it I think like if you're gonna write like really crude sexual violent songs there are there's definitely still a market for it there's still bands that are getting a fine following for it but I I feel like they're definitely I won't say that their days are numbered because I think there'll always be people that are just like really here for bands that are offensive Mm. um and like a lot of people love stuff because it's offensive like they don't really care what it is as long as it's offensive and I have no time for that stuff like I really really care about how I make people feel and if I was to find out that a song that I wrote made someone feel really unsafe or or something like that like somebody in the metal scene who my song is for Mm. like I would be devastated I don't want to offend people with my music I I want to give I want to empower people I want to make people feel like they're gonna like be able to take down somebody that hurt them with my song and put themselves in the shoes of the attacker and like feel like the person that is being attacked is somebody that's hurt them or something like that I never want someone to feel like they are going to be the victim of one of my stories mm-hmm. um yeah I, I, I hate offending people and I find music that exists for the point of offending people really really boring Mm. I mean, this is a, a, a tricky line, though, in a way, because just the very topics that you have, I suppose, of uh, people being ripped apart, people being eaten alive, um, people being murdered, uh, children being murdered, cannibalism. Mm. These are definitely topics that could easily offend someone. Yeah, definitely. I guess there's always going to be like there. I feel like they're topics that are um, offensive, but they're not offensive to, as far as I know, nothing that I've written should be offensive to a group of people who are worse off than I am in life. Mm. Um, yeah. As, so is it actually, really like... that song about children is actually yeah. inspired by a true story. Mm. Um, that one specifically, there was a girl who was obsessed with watching funerals happen and watching people in mourning. So she actually did feed children rat poison. Um, so yeah, that one's based off a real story. Interesting. Yeah. So when you say offensive, then you 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 try not to when you say you try not to offend, um, do you mean trying to offend, say, people in the metal scene? Like, do you expect that the audience when you say like trying to offend, do you expect people that, I guess, have some expectation of what metal talks about? Yeah, I guess like I I don't want to offend people who, like, if you go to a metal gig and you know that it's going to be a metal gig, mm. you're going to expect certain things like death and gore. In, mm-hmm. in the content like that's that's standard metal across the board pretty much but I know a lot of people go to a metal gig and don't expect to hear like really obscene stories about people being like sexually assaulted mm-hmm. um mm. and like don't expect to go to a gig and expect to hear some like Nazi propaganda bullshit <laughs> like mm. um and I, yeah, I I'm sure that I would never write anything like that at all but if I did write something that did offend people in some sort of way I would I want my music is like and, and I'm, I want to present myself as well in a way that's approachable that if I did ever overstep a line or anything like that people would come to me like we played a benefit for sexual assault survivors 
a couple mm. of years ago, um, the Full Stop Fest, and our song Skin is like the, our most graphic song about being tied down and skinned alive, and it's quite detailed in its like descriptions of the person being helpless and stuff like that. And I wasn't gonna perform that song at that benefit initially because I was really aware that like the people attending this event, there's like it's a, it's an event for like to support victims of sexual assault. So I don't want to like do anything that's going to trigger any of that sort of um, mm. trauma that anybody who's attending might have. Like, it's just mm. not necessary. It's already a heightened environment because the focus is for those people. But I discussed it with the organizers and a few of my friends and I ended up just prefacing the song with a message about like, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of this song. Like you are doing this to the people that have hurt you. Um, mm. And I like tried to have the audience already be in the mindset that like the person who this pain is being inflicted, inflicted upon, the person who is helpless in this scenario is the person who hurt you. It's not you. Like you are mm. not the helpless person in this scenario. Um, so yeah, it's really, I, I, I hope that I can always be approachable to people if I ever do overstep that line. Um, I just, I just find being offensive is such a boring way to be like even in comedy and everything like it's mm. there are so many more creative things that you can do with your music just existing for the purpose of offending people it's a very metal thing to do um but it's it's really boring mm. is the difference then that we're talking about like I suppose when we talk about offense really the difference between like offense in the sense of like oh I don't like the idea of murder versus offense in the sense of this is triggering a trauma that I have personally <laughs> experienced yeah, I guess so. I guess that's what I mean. Like, I don't want to trigger anyone or, um, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's an interesting, like, way to put it in a box of, like, people are always going to be offended by, like, really gory tales, but, like, mm -hmm. that's mm. what you get in death metal, but right. you don't have to have, like, it's also, like, what are the real issues that are actually, that, that people are actually facing? Like, who in the crowd, right. how many, how many people in a room full of people um, have actually had a loved one be murdered. Like it's right. possible. Um, mm. It's going to be a very, very small amount of people, if if any. Whereas like if you're going to write a song about sexual assault, like pff, almost every woman in the crowd has been assaulted. Like yeah, your, your chances of offending people are much more wild and it's a much more real situation that more people have been in. Mm. Um, and it's also like... The depictions of murder that you come across in death metal are so obscene and so mm. wild but a lot of the time it's obvious that it's satire because of how obscene it is but then yeah it's it's a difficult line but I think it's also your intent like I don't write songs about death and stuff with the intent of offending anyone my intent is sometimes shock value sometimes just entertainment um, but I never write a song being like oh I hope someone is triggered by this or like anything like that um and I know that like there are bands that take pride in writing stuff that makes people offended and it's I think it's also like even just behavior like I've seen vocalists stomp around on stage and spit on their audience and it's just not like and people are somehow into it um and that's great for them and I'm glad that they are having a good time but like I could never do that I want to get off stage and hug everyone and like be a big wonderful beautiful loving family I never like not into 
actually causing harm to anyone. Can I, um, this is, can I, this is a, this concept of offense is really interesting to me because you, you just mentioned that you're, you do write some songs for shock value. Yeah. Is that different than offense? Yeah, I think so. I think it's like, like if you're watching a horror movie and there's like a real, like, um, I don't know if you guys have seen, I think it's the first hostile when they like cut the mm-hmm. Achilles tendon and everybody, everybody who watches that scene the first time, they like reel back in horror and gasp and it's really like, it's shocking, but mm-hmm. you're not like offended by it. You're not like, mm-hmm. this is offensive to my soul and I cannot believe that you've overstepped in such a way. Like that's not your place to say that. Like that nobody's going to be like, you've never had your Achilles tendon cut, <laughs> so you can't make a movie about that. Like. <laughs> it's it's a horror movie and that's mm-hmm. what they do mm-hmm. um yeah I think I, I think I guess where I'm coming from with the offense thing is like it's horror written for entertainment value there's probably going to be people that are offended by it but I don't specifically write songs with that intention in mind mm-hmm. um and intention is never the most important thing when it comes to in- offending people like if you get if you've offended someone then you've offended someone it doesn't matter if your intention was just to mm-hmm. entertain um you've still written something that's triggered someone so it's more about like how you handle it and how you're open to feedback and things like that so to mm. some extent then you are considering uh we, we talked about considering the audience but you are expecting the audience to have some tolerance for the general because i guess all death metal and extreme metal is inherently potentially offensive to someone even just in the sounds that it makes yeah, yeah. so you expect that the audience has a tolerance for this to some level in the same way that people who go to a horror movie are expected to yeah, absolutely. But yeah. you don't want to go um, and try to offend. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's and it's like I guess it's just the level of horror movie. If you if we're making that comparison, like mm. there there's horror movies that you know are just going to be straight up gore, and then there's horror movies where they're just they overstep and they you've you've just got to walk out because it's just like too real. Um, I guess maybe that's the line of like is it too real for someone is it mm. something that someone's going to listen to and be really really deeply upset by i never mm. want to upset anyone mm. Mm. like with i say i never want to upset anyone but like with squash moth sadness is definitely a key um component to that music but also we write really sad songs and we we feel them when we're playing them and then we stop playing and then we're all smiling and laughing and really happy to be in the same room as each other so mm. um, yeah it's interesting to, like dichotomy there yeah uh, so you were saying before that, um, you know, you want the audience to have the experience of like being able to put themselves, um, you know, insert themselves into the song in some ways, particularly, you know, in the case of like Scaffa songs, for instance. Um, and so I was wondering if this, you know, plays into your decision to use, um, you know, the second person perspective in the majority of your songs. So, you know, in, in most cases, like, you know, for instance, in Horde, you've got, um, you know, on and on, they come at you. Uh, it never seems to end. Something in your gut tells you 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 may not make it out. Uh, panting and exhausted as you chop through uh, rotten flesh is you know is that kind of use of you in that sense um, you know um, for the purpose of allowing the uh, audience to um, as you were saying like insert themselves into the story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's more interesting to be like narrating for the listener rather hmm. than singing about. An experience that I am having especially with Horde it's such a like and the way that it plays out in my head when I'm seeing it it's like I'm watching someone mm. go through that and I want to put the listener like as the person who's fighting the Horde off from within that little cabin so yeah mm. 
But on the other hand, it was interesting to see that in Squash Moth lyrics, there's a lot more first person perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Squash Moth is my feelings. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and our feelings. So, I say, I say our because they have, like, the rest of the band has it communicated that, like, they feel really heard by the lyrics that I've written. Um, mm. But so far, all the lyrics that I've written have been about my own personal experience. But, like, we, I want to write our violinist Lou, their dog, her dog um, passed away not too long ago. And I really want to write a song with Lou for Floyd about that grief and, like, work with everybody else about their feelings and stuff but it's yeah it's a lot more um and I think it's like the how deep the perspective is as well like telling somebody that you are in this cabin and you're surrounded by zombies and and mm. stuff is like you can listen to it and you like can imagine that you're there fighting off the zombies and then with squashed moth it's like you can sing along to that and you can sing like I'm bleeding I'm screaming right and it's like you're in the same shoes and you're also feeling that pain it's like a really different experience of like is this a fun little um horror movie style song or is this like a catharsis which squash moth tends to be interesting you're talking about sort of uh catharsis and um you know the experience of of brutality uh because i was one thing that I noticed in your lyrics that is, uh, I guess I wouldn't say uncommon because actually all, all of the people we've interviewed have had this trait, but it was surprising to us given the kind of background assumptions we had in reviewing metal lyrics throughout the years uh, is even when you're describing really, really angry, vulgar scenes, you don't tend to swear very much. Uh, there's two instances of the word fuck and one instance of shit across the entire first album. Uh, is, is swearing something you try to avoid in your lyrics? Not actively um but it's also it's just unnecessary um and I think I think especially because in Australian culture we swear so much Mm. swear words don't really have a lot of meaning for us Mm. um I think if you're in a country where swearing has more impact um it might make more sense to use it in your songs to add emphasis but I really don't think that it adds much emphasis at all to an Australian audience it's just like it's they're just filler words kind of um like i know um there's in buried alive it's like you're gonna fucking die in a puddle of your own piss and i just yeah. mm-hmm. i just put it in there so that i had enough syllables in the line so, so you wrote the line and then you're like oh i need more syllables and you just put it in yeah basically I knew how many syllables I was going to have and mm-hmm. I just, yeah. So, okay. So it, you, do you think, you do think being an Australian musician is influencing your view here? I think so. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that swearing just doesn't have as much impact in Australia. Like we call our mates cunt affectionately. Mm. Like that's just, there are better words to use usually. Um, and I think that when I do use them, it's probably as a filler mm. um, to get the right, number of syllables most of the time i can't remember what the other instances were but this yeah. is fascinating i mean i just as a um as a non-australian i ed who's been around aussies for a bit now and is used to them you know swearing uh i assumed that aussie metal musicians would continue that that trend but so far none of the australian musicians we talked to have thought that swearing was important and most of them have said the exact same thing that you said is that they kind of don't find it to be impactful at all yeah that's really interesting hmm so swearing, swearing's for not not for music. It's for uh, day to day life. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're like in between the songs. We're like, fuck yeah. And then there's no mm. swearing in the song. <laughs> so it was interesting what you were saying about like, you know, planning out, um, you know, the lyrics for, um, you know, the syllable content. And I was wondering like, so how exactly do you do that? Like, how do you map out, um, you know, how many syllables you're going to need per line and that kind of thing? Because that sounds like kind of a complex process. I just listen to, so what usually what I'll do is I will listen to the song a few times and I'll find the parts where I, or like find the first part where it's going to have words. And then I listen to, I listen to the riffs a few times and I, I'll sort of just like tap any key on a keyboard or something and sort of like tap in how many syllables it sounds like. Um, mm-hmm. Like the, the vocal pattern that I've got in my head. So usually I have a vocal pattern before I have words. Um, and then I'll write, I'll like, I'll be like, okay, so this verse is going to have three lines of six syllables each. And then I'll, with that in mind, I'll write the lyrics for that little section. And then I'll listen back to it with the lyrics that I've written over the top and decide if that needs tweaking or whatever. I'm really into iambic pentameter. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember reading about that or learning about it in high school. And it's definitely something that's stuck with me. It's like that rhythm, that rhythmic um, pattern is really, really common, I think, throughout a lot of my work. Because the fact that you're mentioning syllables is, is interesting. It's just when we did an analysis of your lyrics, we found that, um, and this was a contrast from the artists we've interviewed so far, uh, is that you do tend to prefer like one and two syllable words. Uh, there are 11 words of three syllables across your entire album. Uh, mm. And they're pretty, I wouldn't say they're, they're common, but they're fairly well-known ones like sacrifice, decomposing, viscera, execution, completely fascinates, uh, suffocating, whimpering, possessions, consuming, and glistening. Uh, some of the other artists we've talked to have talked about how they really like looking up obscure, you know, four or five syllable words they don't even remember the meaning of sometimes and you seem to focus much more on um not words you'd hear in day-to-day life but words that are are shorter and um uh, i guess more straightforward in a way is this something more you, familiar yeah yeah more familiar uh mm-hmm. is this something you consciously do i don't think so i don't feel like the amount of syllables in a specific word makes that much of an impact in my vocal style like i think it's much more about how many syllables are in the, the pattern um, mm-hmm. than it is about like one word. Like somebody might be like, oh, that's a $5 word, fancy. But like, it doesn't sound different to the person who's listening. There's still the same number of syllables in a pattern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll use a big word if I find one, if, if one comes to mind. It's not something that I actively go about intending to do of putting in longer words because I I don't feel like it really does change the sound of the lyrics I think it's a cool thing to have to have somebody be like oh I learned a new word from your song but it's Mm -hmm. also not really necessary and I like I don't want people to be confused listening to the songs either like I want people to be able to Mm -hmm. just like listen to it and feel it or like imagine it or whatever um rather than being like hang on I gotta pause this and go get a dictionary Mm. right (laughs) earlier in the interview though you did mention that when you were first listening to bands like Slipknot you actually enjoyed being like oh hey I gotta pause this look and get a dictionary um is I guess is there why why is that not something you want to create for your listeners it is really interesting it is definitely something that I really enjoyed growing up but it's 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 not something that I think about when I'm writing I'm much more about like the story that I'm telling and the way that it's going to feel and the way that it's going to sound mm-hmm. and for me yeah the syllables is a lot it's it's like how the whole line fits together a lot more than how it's actually gonna like how one word is going to sound 
Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely like, if it is about how one word is going to sound, it's going to be like how that actual word has been sung. Like, is there like a part of that word that's been dragged out more or like does the inflection change or something like that more than like how many syllables in is in the word? Mm-hmm. So you were saying before that like you consider like how the words sound, right? So even this is something that's come up in other interviews that we've done as well. So, I mean, for instance, in our last episode, Jared talked about like thinking, um, considering at least like the vowels that are involved mm. in a particular word, particularly if it appears at the end of a line. Is this yeah. something that you think about as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially since recording the first album and hearing it back and like I learned a lot from that like there's some I can't actually remember the line but I think I know that there's there's a line in one of the songs and the vowels that I was singing ended the line and the line also ended on a crash symbol and you just can't hear me the crash just like (laughs) cuts me off so that's a yeah important lesson to know that like those sounds don't fit together very well and there's definitely sounds that are easier to drag out and like an E sound is always going to feel higher as a note than like an O is going to. So if, you, if you're trying to make a song that's like really, really dark and really heavy, if you've got more like round vowels in it, then it's going mm. to feel a lot more guttural and deeper. Mm. But if, you, if you're wanting a song that's like maybe faster and more aggressive and you've got a lot of like E and I type of vowels, then it's going to be a lot sharper. Right. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Is it more like, you know, you write the lyrics and then see like how they sound with the music and make adjustments or is there more involved in the process? Yeah, it's probably if I already know what the song is going to be about and I can already hear the song, I'll sort of try to write with those words in mind. And there's definitely been times where I have just, I can't think of any specific examples, but there's definitely been times where I've had a lyric and it just hasn't sounded right. It's just had the wrong shapes in it um especially the songs that I want to be like darker which I think skin is one of them yeah you just want them to be really really dark so you don't I might write a lyric and it's got a verse that would have ended on an e sound or something the first time I've just gone like no that's not the right might be a really great lyric that I've written Mm. but it's just not gonna hit the same as if I come up with a different word to put there that's going to be able to be dragged out with a deeper Mm. sound this question may be way too reading into things and so if if they're completely wrong just <laughs> say so um but when you're talking about sort of these lyrical choices and themes and darkness and stuff i i got an impression reading through your lyrics that uh for instance just found that uh, the terms blood and flesh appear very commonly across your album uh, eight out of the ten songs use those words uh and when you're talking about say you know um acts of violence like stabbing murder etc you do tend to go into some detail about what's being cut, what's being stabbed, viscera falling out, etc. Uh, but when you talk about some themes that may be considered a bit darker than just general murder, such as uh, cannibalism or, or child murder, I found that the level of description uh, kind of got pulled back a bit, or at least I had that impression. Mm. And I was wondering if, um, is that something you do? Like when you when you have a topic that you think the topic itself is a bit heavier, do you consciously pull back in the level of detail that you're going to give or is that just something that happened by chance and I'm I'm making this all up well they're both like the the cannibalism one three days and mm-hmm. Iron Gate the one about the child murderer yeah. they're both inspired by real things so mm-hmm. um I think that's part of my 
um, way of distancing and not plagiarizing so much that I've like reeled back a bit on the details. Mm. Like um, the three days is about an African tribe who eat their dead so that they don't decay, but they, mm. they let them decay first for three days to give the soul time to leave the body and stuff like that. Like I wanted to write that song and like, it's shocking because mm -hmm. in Western culture, we don't do that. So people are going to be shocked by it and it's great content for a metal song, but I also didn't want to write it in a way that's like, this is so disgusting. Look at these guys. So I didn't really want to write too much that like painted it in a really really disgusting light like I just wanted to give it like this is like a, a really interesting practice and I it also I wrote it from the perspective like it was my tribe doing this mm -hmm. so it's like in our land by our laws we do not bury our dead so the person who's writing it isn't going to be like like or the, the perspective that it's sung from is like this is our culture and this is what mm -hmm. we do so you're not going to be like giving those gritty details about these really sacred death practices that right. are like like you you're eating somebody to show your respect for them like you that's how you show respect and love for a person in that scenario so it's not something that's like going to describe how disgusting it is because it's an act of respect and with the the child one that was just yeah loosely inspired on an actual real life event which I found really interesting. So there definitely was a desire to pull back on the gore but for a completely different reason. Yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah. Dissected and fermented is pretty heavy on the gore. <laughs> so you'll get that in album two. <laughs> yeah, the album title uh, hints at that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, going back briefly just to um, Squash Moth, um, you know, we talked before about how, you know, you've included some interesting themes, um, you know, that, you know, draw on um, feelings of like dread and grief. Um, and, you know, to generate that kind of catharsis in the listener. But I, I was kind of interesting that you've also, you know, referenced nature mm. uh, quite a bit as well. And the, this isn't something that I've seen kind of commonly appearing in a lot of um, metal lyrics, you know, outside of like, for instance, like Godzilla or something like that. I was, I was wondering like, yeah, um, I suppose, how do you think that, the, the, is this in any way kind of a product of the, the genre of, of doom that maybe, you know, you wouldn't see as much in death metal, for instance? Oh, um. A little bit, I think. Um, Woods of Ypres have um, a really incredible song called The Keeper of the Ledger, which is about the keeper of the ledger for the cult of nature only cares that your body is returned on time and it's about, like, just returning your body to the earth when it's when your time is up. And such a huge part of my, um, like, death and grief focus because um, when I went to art school five years ago, that was my whole, like, brief was, like, mm -hmm. I want to get people to think about death in a different way because... Death is not this like stark embalm people, put it in a box thing that we do mm. in Western culture. Like that's not right. We need to like think about what we're doing with our bodies when we die because we're supposed to go back to the earth. Um, and I I still talk about it all the time and, and, I, and I just love nature and the moffies are the same. Like um, we just love like moss and being outside and like squashed moth like the name itself was also supposed to be representative of that like love of of nature and, and grief and stuff like mm. it's literally a squashed moth <laughs> yeah i think this is such an interesting idea the idea of like you know taking something that's generally not considered to be at least not in an immediate sense like aligned with metal themes and then kind of translating it through um i suppose something that is more compatible with this um metal genre which you know of course it's like you know the idea of like death and um you know decay and that kind of thing so mm. um yeah it's 
I suppose I don't really have a question in regards to that. I just thought it was a, yeah, a really kind of interesting alignment between um, yeah, those two ideas, I guess. Yeah, I love it. I love when I find nature-based metal. It's really, really enjoyable. Does that mm. focus or change in focus influence um, the like the length of the writing? Because uh, when Jess was doing background on this, she noticed that there's a lot of uh, kind of simple phrases and the overall lines uh like the length of the line in the squash moth lyric are about as half as long as for uh Scaphus. is there i think it's more the speed of which i'm actually singing and oh. the speed of the metal like squash moth songs are probably about like a third of the speed of Scaphus. they're so much slower mm. um and yeah the i'm singing a lot slower it's it's interesting that it's slower so you would think like it's more time so you can put more words in it um, everything is slowed down so I'm singing a lot slower and yeah it's a lot more like sorrowful and like it's a lot of like sitting in feelings where like Scaphus is like storytelling and Squash Moth mm. is like processing feelings and, and sitting with the more sort of like darker stuff. I think it's a really nice comparison yeah because I was wondering like you know if you do have shorter lines in the Squash Moth lyrics does that kind of give you the opportunity then to like draw out the vowel sounds so you know not having listened to you know um, many of the Squash Moth releases but other than you know just the um, teaser that you have up on um, Facebook I was wondering yeah it's um is that something that um, you do? Yeah, I definitely. The um, definitely like everything is more drawn out with squash moth. It's a lot more like the there's less words, but the vocal lines are probably just as long, if not longer, than a lot of scaffold stuff. Does that um, make it harder to choose the right words when you have such? Yeah, um, and it's it's a lot more important to know the words because the songs are moving so much slower. If you say the wrong word. <laughs> There's not like, there's not like three more words immediately after to like catch up and like find your balance again. It's just like that wrong word is just hanging there for like a good few <laughs> seconds. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Mm. Would you say in both cases are like you know, your vocal styles are reasonably easy to interpret and understand? Yeah, I think so. Um, I actually have classical theatre, not classical, but um, I went to theatre school after I finished high school. So I've, I've had theatre training for singing like musical theatre, which I think has given me a really good edge for like managing to sing death metal that's actually legible and can be heard. Because mm. I think there was another kind of really interesting comment that you made earlier that, you know, about um, kind of wanting to ensure that your lyrics um, are comprehensible to the audience and wanting them to be able to, you know, interpret them so that they can, you know, sing them back at you or yeah. um, I suppose understand the message or the ideas of a song. Um, and that isn't something that we've necessarily heard from a lot of other musicians. So, um, yeah, it's, I suppose, would you be bothered, I, I guess, if somebody said, like, I, I have no idea what's going on with your lyrics or, like, I can't understand what you're singing about? Nah, um... <laughs> fine. Um, it's, it's fine um I do I do really often get people saying like I could understand what you were saying and I can never understand what metal people are saying um I do get a lot which is really really nice but yeah if somebody was like I have no idea what you're singing about I'll be like do you want me to tell you hmm. so my mom has no idea what I'm singing about and she hates hearing me sing it's really, really <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> we've um done it as a like to not to torture her but like for fun um for her birthday a couple of years ago a couple of her friends like held her back while I did a death metal rendition of what's going on by Born on Blondes and she, <laughs> she really hated it it was really funny 
I, uh, I don't imagine many uh, moms are huge death metal fans, but you know, in a few gener- in a generation or two, it might get a a demographic switch. Yeah, maybe. My dad comes to a lot of Scaffers gigs, though. He loves it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, my child has been forced to listen to things that probably <laughs> are not considered baby music. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess what um, we tried to end with, um, you know, a shameless promotion. Uh, do you have, you know, you said uh, second album is named. Uh, should we be looking forward to the drop of the first Squash Moth or the upcoming uh, Scaffus album anytime soon? <laughs> um, not anything super soon. Hopefully we can all be looking forward to the reopening of gigs. And mm. yeah, hopefully there'll be a Squash Moth gig sometime soon and scaffs will be able to come back out and play mm. there's stuff and coming i just don't know when yet mm-hmm. so where can people look to find that information so both bands have got instagram and also facebook awesome okay, yeah. okay we'll make sure we link those as well yeah awesome cool. um yeah was there anything else that you wanted to add i suppose like you know we want to always like give people space at the end if there's anything that you know we haven't asked about that you wanted to discuss i guess it'll be interesting once Squash Moth actually have some releases to like, it'd be interesting to like revisit and see how different they are as like fully fleshed out songs. Yeah. <laughs> My mom actually um, had a really interesting comment about like, how would I know which lyrics are for which band? Mm. Um, which I thought was really funny because they're so different. But yeah, it was a really interesting perspective from somebody who like just doesn't, doesn't understand metal to be like, how do you know which lyrics are which band? Because <laughs> yeah, throughout this interview, you've been very clear that uh, you write them about different topics and in different ways and to different beats and to different rhythms and with a different like feel in mind. So it is interesting that uh, that's, I guess, lost once you extract yourself from the metal scene. Because yeah. me and Jess thought they were very different. Yeah, it's really interesting that like whole, what makes lyrics metal concept like it's really interesting when you take away the music aspect of it like Mm. what is it about these lyrics that is like oh yeah these these are probably metal lyrics Mm. really really interesting thing to think about i think you're right when you mentioned at the very beginning of this interview like if you had a really really heavy death metal song especially when the if one of the lyric style is that deep guttural singing where you do not know what they're saying without the lyrics even if you're in the metal it could you know they could be singing about uh picking flowers with bunnies and it would be fine but if you just showed them someone the lyrics without the music, they'd probably be like, that, no, it's not a metal song. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you guys could do an experiment and just like give people a <laughs> bunch of lyrics <laughs> and be like, do you reckon this is a metal lyric or like what, what genre do you reckon this music is? Like a span from like a bunch of different genres. And like, yeah. That'd be really interesting, be interesting to see like what people thought. I have to give you a third author credit on the paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We could even do, I'd be interested to do one and like even within the metal scene as well to mm. see like, you know, how people associate certain lyrical styles or themes with particular subgenres. Mm. That seems to be something that came out of like, you know, the interview with you now as well. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. This is such a good idea, guys. It's impossible without, uh, without people like you taking part. So thank you very much for your time. Yeah. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Right. And uh, thanks so much as well for letting us like get in on the ground floor with these uh, squash moss lyrics. I really appreciate mm. that because I'd really love to like revisit this with you as well. Like you know, once you like have released like an album and stuff like that to see if there have been any changes in you know the lyrics as you've gone through the process. That'd be really awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I was I was like I can't be interviewed as a vocalist without like giving you this mm. beautiful 
other end of the spectrum that I've been working on. Like it's such a love doing scaffers so much, but I've like squashed moffers so much different. And it's like, it would be like giving you 50% of an interview to just yeah. talk mm. about scaffers. So yeah. Well, hopefully we can have you back when uh, these projects maybe when maybe the scaffers out next scaffers and the next uh, squash moth out, we can come back and talk about maybe if your thinking's changed uh, over the process of putting these albums together. Yeah, that'd be really, really cool. Awesome. Yeah, we'll try and tear that up. Cool. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, guys. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you for listening to Lingua Italica. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you stay tuned for our next episode. Before we leave, we just wanted to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Mm-hmm.